Chapter 5 of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. By whom now we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Faith, then, has given us remission of sins, and made us blameless, and just by the regeneration of the baptismal font, and it is incumbent on you to preserve the peace thus effected. For the only begotten, by his incarnation, has reconciled you while you were in hostility with him, and sin it was that produced this hostility, righteousness, therefore, it must be, which will maintain the peace commenced. And this, then, we are in every way bound to pursue by the consideration of the hopes held out and the glory promised by god to be given to us for the recompense of our labours he calls not payment but glory to show the excess of our reward and as they had at that time to endure many troubles being beaten tortured and subjected to a thousand kinds of death he most fitly brings forward the sources of consolation and connected with these things verse three and not only so but we even glory in tribulations he has displayed brightly his own insuperable magnanimity for it is not we patiently endure afflictions which he says but we even rejoice in afflictions we are exalted he exclaims and take pride to ourselves as fellow-sharers with the lord of sufferings but this he says not openly because they alone could so feel who with himself had arrived at completeness in the faith the rest he encourages by what should come hereafter. Verse 4. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience proof, and proof hope. Verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed. When misfortunes surround a man, and he bears their attack nobly, he is thereby shown to stand his proof, and leans on the hope of the future, and this is not a fallacious hope, but one based on truth, which is what he means by maketh not ashamed, they who hope and then are disappointed, being confounded and ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For the grace of the thrice Holy Spirit, which we received through baptism, has kindled the love of God within us. And he then sets forth the causes of this love. Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. For we reflect that when we were yet transgressors and suffering under the infection of impiety, the Lord Christ endured that death which was inflicted on our behalf, and hence we learn the depth of his loving mercy. For, for a just man it might be that some might face death, but he, through the excess of his love, welcomed the death which was in behalf of sinners. As he also goes on to say, verse 8, But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us god then makes manifest the greatness of his love towards us in the death of christ having been undergone not for such as had been just but for such as were yet transgressors for we now have been justified by faith in him but when he undertook that death for us we were still subject to every kind of sin the words in time mean at the fit time in due season and this he says also in his epistle to the galatians chapter four verses four and five but when the fullness of the time was come god sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons verse nine much more then having now been justified by his blood shall we be saved from wrath through him having encountered that accursed 
See Galatians 3.13, death for the ungodly and transgressors, it is evident that he will free from the future punishment those that believe in him, for that future eternal punishment is what he here calls wrath. Verse 10, for if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved in his life. If while we were antagonists and enemies he thought fit to treat us with so great consideration as to give up his son to die for us, how is it possible, now that reconciliation has been effected, that we should not share in everlasting life? And here again he calls the Lord Christ the Son, who the same is both God and man. It must be evident, therefore, I apprehend, even to the most determined heretics, as to which nature his passion took place. Verse 11 and not only so, but we joy also in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the reconciliation. For not only do we expect immortal life, but even as to the present existence, glory in having been brought near unto God, while we reflect upon the things concerning the Lord Christ, who, being our mediator, has effected peace. From hence he proceeds to explain the mystery of the dispensation, and shows the reasons of the incarnation. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, in that all have sinned. The Lord God, having formed Adam and dignified him with reason, imposed on him one single law for the exercise of those rational faculties, for, indeed, it was not meet that one who had received reason and possessed the power of discriminating between good and its opposite should live without any law at all. He, having been beguiled, transgressed the command, but from the first the lawgiver had to the command affixed the threat of retribution and thus falling under the sentence of death he so begot cain seth and the rest all therefore as having sprung from him inherited a mortal nature now such a nature has need of many things food and drink and clothing and houses and various arts and the use of these oftentimes excites the passions into excess and excess begets sin and therefore the holy apostle says that adam having sinned and become mortal through that sin, both descended to his race, for death came upon all men, in that all have sinned, for not on account of our first father's transgression, but for his own, each receives the sentence of death. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not reckoned such, where there is no law. He accuses not, as some suppose, those who lived before the law, but all alike. For until the law means not until the commencement of, but until the end of the law, that is, while the law reigned, sin had power, for where there is no law, neither can there be transgression. Verse 14. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the type of him that would come after. By Moses he means the law, as we also find in the Gospels, Luke 16.29, they have Moses and the prophets. And so also the holy apostle speaks in the second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 15, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts, that is, the law. Death, then, says he, reigned from Adam until the manifestation of the Saviour, for then the law received its end. For the law, says he, and the prophets prophesied until John, but from the days of John the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew eleven twelve and 13. And death, moreover, reigned over those also who had not sinned after the likeness of Adam's transgression. For although they had not transgressed that particular commandment, they had nevertheless ventured on other sins. 
and he calls Adam the type of Christ, for the latter he designates as him that would come after, on this account that as Adam first by his sin became subject to the sentence of death, and thus the whole race followed their first parent, so the Lord Christ, having fulfilled the most perfect righteousness, destroyed the power of death, and first rising from the dead shall restore the whole race of man to life. And as he had called Adam the type of Christ, he shows the preeminence of the latter verse 15, but not as the offence, so also is the free gift. And how then is this? For if through the offence of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. As regards punishment, says he, the Lord God preserved the strict law of justice, and Adam, having sinned, and being given over to death, the whole race followed him. How much more right then that as regards God's loving mercy, justice should also be preserved, and all men share in the resurrection of our Lord Christ. He here calls the Lord Christ a man, to show clearly the type in Adam, that as there by one man came death, so here by one man the disillusion of death. Verse 16, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. The munificence of grace, says he, goes beyond the limits of justice, for then, one having sinned, the whole race received punishment, but now, all mankind having been unholy and transgressors, it has brought not punishment, but the free gift of life. Verse 17. For if by one man's offences death reigned by one, much more they which receive the fullness of grace and of the gift and of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. If the transgression of one man established the dominion of death, it is evident that they which enjoy the plenteous gifts of God shall be conquerors over death, and share with Christ in the imperishable kingdom and life eternal. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the offence of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Doubt not, says he, concerning what I have said, while looking to Adam, for if those things be true as indeed they are true and when he had sinned the whole race received the sentence of death it is plain that the righteousness of the saviour gains life to all men and again he puts the same thing in another form varying his phrase and again and again restating it in order the more clearly to open the mystery of the dispensation verse nineteen for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous with great nicety does he here in the case of those under adam and that of those under grace adopt the word many for indeed among the former we find some who were superior to the grosser sins as abel and enoch and noah and melchizedek and the patriarchs and even those who became illustrious under the law and after the covenant of grace there are many who embrace a sinful life having thus shown us from what took place through adam the reasons for the divine incarnation he brings forward the objection which might arise and offers a solution the objection is with regards to the law which was given in the interim between adam and the appearance of the saviour wherefore the holy apostle says verse twenty but the law came in between that the offence might abound he means not that it might that such was its object but uses the words according to his familiar mode of expression but what he is showing is that neither in time past did god leave men neglected but gave the law to the jews and by their means showed forth the light of religion on the rest of the nations also and aptly has he put intervened in that christ was the end of the promise made to the patriarch for in thy seed says he shall all the nations of the earth be blessed 
christ was the end of the promise made to the patriarch and the law intervened between adam and christ and it taught the more clearly how evil a thing sin was while yet it was incompetent to put a stop thereto but only the more increased it seeing that in proportion as more commandments were given so many the more became the violations of them but where sin abounded grace did much more abound it invalidated not says he the mercy of god but rather displays the vastness of his loving-kindness verse twenty one that as sin had reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by jesus christ our lord here he finishes the argument showing that as sin begetting death had reigned in our mortal bodies exciting the passions to excess so grace conveying to believers the justification which is of faith has her dominion also one not coeval with that of sin but eternal and endless for the former reigns over our bodies but at their death ceases from her power for he who is dead according to the holy apostle is freed from sin while after the resurrection our bodies having become imperishable and immortal grace will reign in them sin no longer having any place for when the passions have ceased there will be no room for sin and then again he proposes another objection arising from the subject and with ease resolves it End of chapter five